to another episode of CQP Moments. As always, I am your host, the Coupon Queen Pen. Guys, my next guest, Terry, has a lot going on, but guess what? He talks about looking past that. So let's take a moment out and I'll be right back with Terry. So guys, like I was saying, I am here with Terry Tucker and you know, we have gotten to the point where we're noticing things that we didn't notice before we couldn't go into the app. So and a lot of times we're f- afraid to say it, speak it out loud, to, even to ourselves, to our fam clan, to our closest friends. But Terry has a way to help us get through that. So Terry, please introduce yourself to my listeners. Well, Coupon Queen, thank you very much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. Uh, I'll give you the condensed version of me. I was born and raised in Chicago. I'm the oldest of three boys. You cannot tell this from my voice, but I'm six foot eight inches tall, and I played college basketball at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. When I graduated from school, uh, I, I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And I look back now and realize how very little I knew about business just because I had a degree. Fortunately, I was able to find that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain. But unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mom care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. In terms of my professional career, as I mentioned, I started out in marketing at Wendy's, then I became a hospital administrator. Then I made a huge pivot in my life and became a police officer. And I was an undercover narcotics investigator. I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator. Then I started my own school security consulting business coached girls high school basketball when we lived in Texas, Uh, started a motivational speaking business in 2019, which probably wasn't the best decision I ever made, Uh, became an author in 2020, but for the last 10 years, I've been battling a rare form of cancer. And then finally, my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. Wow, wow, and wow. Congratulations. And do you have a fortress of solitude? I I just want to know because you sound like, you know, you were like, you know, Clark Kent in some secret former life. I wish, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Quick question. And this one has been getting me. How from hospital administration to police officer? Like what, what, what was that choice about? So I I always felt my passion was to get into law enforcement. And my, my grandfather, my dad's father was a Chicago police officer from 1924 to 1954. So he was in Chicago during prohibition when alcohol was outlawed in the United States and the the great depression, the late twenties, early thirties. And when the gangs, Al Capone and those guys were shooting up the town and he was actually shot in the line of duty with his own gun. It was not a serious injury, he was shot in the ankle, but let's face it, trauma medicine in 1935 was much different than trauma medicine now. And oh, my yeah. dad, yeah, my dad always remembered the knock on the door 
or the stories that my grandmother told about the knock on the door of, you know, Mrs. Tucker, grab your son, come with us. Your husband's been shot. And so when I expressed an interest in going to law enforcement, my dad was, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to go to college. You're going to major in business. You're going to get a great job when you get out, get married, have 2.4 kids and live in the suburbs. But that's the, that's the life my dad wanted me to live. And so, as I mentioned, when I graduated from college, he was sick. And so I had a choice. Do I say, sorry, dad, I'm going to blaze my own trail and go my own way? Or do I say out of love and respect for you, I will go into business because that's what you wanted me to do. And so I sort of joke, I did what every good son did. I, I waited till my father passed away and then I followed my dreams. So that's kind of how I went from business to being a police officer. Wow. Okay. So you guys always think I'm joking when I say the 2.4 kids. Yeah. As you can see, I am not the only one. This was actually a real statistic. I think it was what, up until the late 80s? Yeah, I think you're right. To, to, and, and everybody still is trying to figure out what is that 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 of a child? We still don't know. Everybody always says, and the dog. But no, it, that was like a real statistic. Everyone was supposed to, the American dream was to buy a house, white picket fence, 2.4 children. I don't know what the 0. 0.4 child is. I don't even know what half a child is, but hey. <laughs> I think it was just census data. That's all, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's really what most people didn't understand was like, we were living off of data from the census. And this is what they told us that every, the average family was two adults and 2.4 children. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, Okay. You have this huge resume, marketing, police officer, hospital management, you know, you're like flying cars and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, but you have this huge resume and you actually find out that you are sick. And those are the words that no one wants to hear. Correct what was your motivation at that point? Because you could have said, hey, I've led this great life, curled up in a ball, had a 752 moment and given up. What made you say, hey, I've got to keep moving? I guess, you know, my family and, and my background and, you know, the, the fact that I was an athlete and things like that. And and the the, the cancer story is, is really it's, it's probably even more interesting than my, my business background and things like that. But so I'm, I'm a girls high school basketball coach in Texas. And I have this callus break open on the bottom of my foot. And I initially don't think much of it because as a coach, you're on your feet a lot, but when it doesn't heal, I, I go to a podiatrist, a foot doctor friend of mine, and he takes an x-ray and he says, Terry, I think you have a cyst in there and I can cut it out. And he does. And he just shows it to me, a little gelatin sack with some white fat in it, no dark spots, no blood, nothing that gave either one of us concern, but he sent it off to pathology to have it looked at. And then two weeks later, the call that you just mentioned, I, I get, and as I said, he was a friend. And the more difficulty he was having explaining what was going on, the more frightened I was becoming. Until finally he just laid it out for me. He said, Tara, I've been a doctor for 25 years. I have never seen this form of cancer. You have a rare form of melanoma, that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. And I recommend you be treated at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. So I did, I had the bottom of my foot excised. 
had all the lymph nodes in my groin removed. And then when I healed, my doctor put me on a drug called interferon to basically keep the disease from coming back. The side right. effects of interferon were that I had flu-like symptoms for two to three days every week after each injection. And I took those weekly injections for almost five years. So imagine having the flu every week for five years. Oh my that gosh. Was, that was not a cure. That, that, you know, oh my God is exactly what I said to my oncologist. I'm like, that is just cruel that you would put somebody through that. That just doesn't seem like it's, it's even something that's plausible. And all her response was do the best you can with it. So 2017, I end up in the intensive care unit with a fever of 108 degrees, which is usually not compatible with being alive. And that was due to the toxicity of mm -hmm. the interferon in my system. So I had to stop it. And literally within months after stopping the interferon, the cancer came back in the exact same place on the bottom of my foot that had presented back in 2012. Wow. Which led to 2018, having my left foot amputated. The cancer worked its way up my leg into my shin, and I had two more surgeries in 2019. And then in 2020, an undiagnosed tumor in my ankle area grew large enough that it fractured my tibia, my shin bone. And my only recourse right in the middle of the pandemic was to have my left leg amputated. And I also found out I had tumors in my lungs and I'm being treated for those now. And I know that sounds like a very dark and ugly story, and it is, but in all honesty, cancer has made me a better human being. Whoa. Okay. So again, okay. I don't know who's out there who can build a fortress of solitude, but this man definitely needs one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. You are awesome. You're, uh, I mean, like I, we, we haven't even really gotten into the meat of things and you are, all I can say is you're a rock star. Like, oh my goodness. Well, thank you for that. I, I, I just feel like I'm a person. I, I mean, I, you know, I've been through a lot, but I, I am the biggest wimp in the world. And, and what that says to me is that if I can do this, anybody that's facing adversity out there, they, they can handle that adversity. Wow. 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 Okay. So you get all of this happening to you. And again, what is amazing to me is you still haven't folded, even though you're saying you're the hugest wimp in the world. But here we are. You reached out. You said, hey, I want to be on your show. And we're here talking and we're talking about getting through a lot of this stuff. What made you say, OK, this isn't just me? Because you could, I mean, and I know going to treatment, you meet people along the way and you kind of make some friends and, and everybody has shared experiences, but you could have kept this amongst that core group. What made you say, hey, I have to get this message to the world. I have to get this message out to others. Well, initially I didn't think that, but enough people convinced me that my story was unique enough and, and my experiences are, are unique enough that I should share this with people, that, that it can help people. So I, I was really very apprehensive. I mean, you know, I, being a police officer, I was kind of like, I don't want people to know what I do. I kind of, you know, hang in the background and things like that. So to put myself out here like I've been doing is very foreign to me in terms of, of how I act. So I, I guess the way I look at this is, you know, I was very blessed, very fortunate 
to start playing basketball when I was nine years old and played all the way up until I graduated from college when I was 21. And I think one of the things that team sports teaches us is the importance of being part of something that's bigger than yourself. You realize mm-hmm. that on a team that if, if you don't do your job, not only do you let yourself down, but you let your teammates down, right. your coaches down, your parents right. down, et cetera. And if you think about it, the biggest team game that we all play is this game of life. And I mentioned that I'm on this clinical trial for the tumors in my lungs. It's probably not going to save my life, but it very well may save the life of somebody down the road, five years from now, 10 years from now, based on the data that the doctors are getting from my blood test, my scans and things like that. So the way I look at that is that's part of being part of something that's bigger than yourself. It's not about me. It's about us collectively. And and we're all going to experience pain in our lives. I mean, and it doesn't even have to be cancer pain or even any kind of an illness. You could flunk a test at school or break up with your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or not get the promotion at work that you think you deserve. Pain is inevitable. Suffering, on the other hand, suffering is optional. Suffering is what you do with that pain. You take it and use it to make you a stronger and better and more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it and feel sorry for yourself and want other people to feel sorry for you? It's a choice. And it's, it's your choice and only your choice. The world doesn't owe you anything. The world isn't going to say, oh, that's really bad. I'm sorry that happened. That's the way it goes. That's life. So, you know, I just chose not to be in that dark place. And don't get me wrong. I get there. There's no S on my chest. I don't, <laughs> I'm not wearing a cape or anything like that. But I just choose to continue to move forward. And like I say, if I can do it, anybody listening to us can do it. Wow. Wow. And, and I, I like, I like the way you said that. In other words, it's not, it's, it's the, what you choose to do when you are suffering. Yeah. And, well, and when, when and you're, yeah, when, when you're yeah, because in I other mean, words, the discomfort and, and, and a lot of times we, we, we get to the point where, you know, even like you said, with, with, with a bad breakup, and you're sitting in your room and you're eating ice cream and you're and you're listening to sad songs and li- watching all these sad movies and you know we we we've all seen the picture of you know the person curled up on the on on the sofa having a bad time having a me party a me pity party um and in some ways we kind of all do it we do it but do we stay there? And, and, and I, I, I love your outlook on this is, do we stay there? Do we, do we say, okay, you know what, this happened. I can get out of the house. I can go, I can do things. I can meet new people. You know, I can have fun and I can live. And I think that's really what it is. It's like for that moment, the world stops, but do we keep the world stopped? Because actually one of the most profound things, and this is something that my parents told me was, yeah, for you, the world stops, but for everyone else, the world is still going on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And if you think about it, when we get into those, those dark and ugly places, what are we doing? We're focusing on us. We're focusing just on us. You know, we don't see anything else that's going on. 
And I found the best way to get out of that, that sort of attitude to improve that is to go find somebody else and help them to serve somebody else. Because now the focus is not on you anymore. It's on another individual. And when that happens, everything gets better. I mean, you're not, you're not, oh gosh, woe is me, you know, pity party, whatever happened. You're like, hey, this person needs me. I can be a benefit to this individual. So instead of looking internally, now we're looking externally. And as you say, the world continues to move. Go find somebody in that world that's, that's having a tough day and make their world better because it'll make your world better as well. Exactly, exactly. So what have you, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to start calling you Superman. What have you, Superman, started to do? <laughs> so I, I guess one of the things that I've learned over these last 10 years now with cancer is what I call my four truths. And, and these are, in all honesty, these are the bedrock of my soul. I think they're a good place to start to build a life off of. And I'll give you these four truths. They're one sentence. I have them on a post-it note sitting here on my desk that I see multiple times during the day. So they constantly get reinforced. They work for me. I, I'm not saying they're going to work for everybody, but if there's if all of them work for you, take them and use them yourself. If one or two work, take those two and, and, and develop your own. But again, I, I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you what's worked for me. So here's number one. You need to control your mind or your mind is going to control you. Number two, you need to embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that pain and difficulty to make you a stronger and more determined individual. Number three is more of a, a legacy truth. I think it's important, regardless of what stage we are in our life, to think about the end game. Think about what it's going to be like when we die. And this is number three. What you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. And then number four is pretty self-explanatory. As long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And so I, I, I use those four truths. I mean, I've had people come to me. I'm on this clinical trial, and it just beats me up for an entire week. I throw up, I shake, I have a fever. It, it's just really ugly. And I've had nurses tell me, Terry, look, nobody think anything less of you if you quit this trial. It, it's just, it's kicking your butt. And I look at them like, my doctor may take me off of it because it's not working any longer, or I may die on this treatment, but I'll never quit this treatment as long as it's having a positive impact on me and the doctors are gleaning data that potentially could save somebody else's life down the road. Wow. 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 So one of the biggest things is, and I, I think that is, that is something that you are saying that is so just out there. And one of the things is not quitting because at any time, like the nurse said to you, you know, you can quit, you can stop. You can say, this is not for me, but you are seeing the benefit in this for you and the benefit for the future. So you're like, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not quitting. Oh my gosh. That is wow. So what made you decide to write? Because you wrote a book called Motivational Check. What made you decide to write this book? Uh, actually, the, my, my website is Motivational Check. The book is called Sustainable Excellence, The 10 Principles to Leading Your, Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. And the book was really born out of 
two conversations I had. One was with a former basketball player that I had coached who had moved to Colorado where my wife and I live. And we'd had dinner with her and her fiance. And I remember saying to her one night, you know, I'm really excited that you're living close and I can watch you find and live your purpose. And she got real quiet for a while and she looked at me and she's like, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Finding the reason you were put on the face of this earth and then living that reason. So that was one conversation. And then the second conversation was with a young man in college who reached out to me on social media. And he asked me what I thought were the most important things that he should learn to not just be successful in business or his job, but to be successful in life. And I didn't want to give him the, you know, get up early, work hard, help others. Not that those aren't important. They are. They're very important. But I wanted to see if maybe I could go a little bit deeper with him. So I thought about it for a while and I, I started taking notes and, and eventually I had these 10 thoughts, these 10 ideas, these 10 principles. And so I sent them to him. And then I stepped back and I was like, you know, I've got a life story that fits underneath this principle, or I know somebody whose life emulates that principle. So literally during the three-month time period between when I had my leg amputated and when I started chemotherapy for the tumors in my lungs, I sat down at the computer every day while I was healing and I wrote Sustainable Excellence. And that's how the book came to be. Wow. 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 Okay. But before this, had you written any other books? No. No. So, first so this is your first book. Okay. Are you guys seeing why I am calling this man Superman? Like we've gone from, Hey, let me work at Wendy's to, Hey, you know what? I'm going to work at a hospital. I am going to work in the community and be a police officer. And I'm now writing a book. I just decided to do this because this is what I wanted to do. Um, (laughs) You are, I, I, you know what? I am in awe. I really am. I am in awe. I just, you know, I, it's just like so and don't get me wrong I speak to a lot of people with huge resumes but it's just like you are like okay I didn't go into this for the money I went you went into business because that's what your father would have wanted you to do you went into law enforcement because that's where your passion was you coached girls basketball because you saw a need and you wrote a book because again, you saw the need out there. And it's, it's to me, I think one of the thing, it, things is that you are finding things that are larger than yourself all the time and saying, I have to fulfill this capacity. And I, I think one of the biggest takeaways from this is We always think that we have one purpose and you are, you are saying that you are, you know, your purpose is larger than that. So, yeah, yeah. I I think in a lot, a lot of ways we, we tend, I guess, maybe to take your comments, which I think are, are spot on a little bit further is, you know, we, we tend to think that our purpose or our passion or our why, whatever, has to be our job. You know, it has to be what we do for a living. And it doesn't. I mean, you can have a job over here that you use, you know, to pay the bills, but your purpose is to write or 
to paint or to be an activist or to be, or to volunteer or or whatever is in your heart. And and I always say this, especially to younger people: if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you believe you're supposed to do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because at the end of your life, the things that you're going to regret are not going to be the things you did. They're going to be the things you didn't do. And by then, it's going to be too late to go back and do them. That's true. That is true. Wow. So, guys, one of the things I am still getting is definitely live on purpose. Like, this is so amazing. I am just like, whoa, I am, I am, I am totally blown away by this. I am totally blown away by this. Wow, you are, oh, thank you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate mean, no, the only, the only, I mean, it's, it's just like, you've done so much. You are being so much. And it's just like, thank you. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, it, it's funny because my doctor a couple months ago showed me my CAT scan from back in 2020 when I had, you know, I, and, and I have no medical background, so I have no idea how to really read a CAT scan, but I kind of know what should and shouldn't be there. You know, I was like, oh, that's a kidney. Okay, I see that. And, but he, he showed me this CAT scan and I, I had fluid all around the, the pleural spaces around my lungs, both lungs. I had these big tumors inside my lungs and I looked at him like, how, how was I alive? And he said to me, I don't know. I don't know how you were right. alive during all that, which said to me that, you know what? And I, I have a very deep faith in God, but what that said to me is God's not done with me. yet. You know, there, there, there are things that he or she, however you want to look at it, wants me to do. And when I die, where I die, how I die way above my pay grade. So I don't spend a lot of time worrying about that because it's not something I can control, but I can control how I help individuals, how I help people. And I, I had a nurse recently ask me, she said, you know, what was it like to have your, your foot amputated and your leg amputated? And, and I told her, I said, you know, it, it's not been easy. It, I'm still learning how to walk with a prosthetic and, and all that. And, but what I said to her is that cancer can take all my physical faculties, but cancer can't touch my mind, it can't touch my heart, and it can't touch my soul. And that's who we really are. You know, this is just a vessel or a house or whatever you want to call it to house who we really are. So if you stop thinking about, you know, my body is me, it's really not. Your body is your heart, your mind, or who you are is your heart, your mind, and your soul. Your body is just a place to house that. Wow. Okay. Whoa. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having a moment here, guys. It's, it's one of those... Uh speechless moments and 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 for those of you that know you know I don't I don't have very many of these Ooh, okay <laughs> so you wrote the book and then you now have a website which I I thought the website was the name of the book but it's the, the website is motivational check where you have these quotes of the day and different you know interviews that you've done what what does motivational check do for you and what can people find there? Sure. So I, I was, you know, I was looking for when I had my foot amputated, I was like, OK, literally laying in bed, like okay, looking at the ceiling. God, what, what do you want me to do? And there, there's that old joke 
that says, you know, when we talk to God, it's called prayer. When God talks to us, it's called schizophrenia. So I, I don't want, I want everybody to realize God never talked to me, but I was, I was literally at a crossroads in my life. I had no goals. I had no dreams. I had just had my foot amputated. Like, what do I do? Where do I go? What do you want me to do? And enough people kept saying, you should start a blog. You should start a blog. You should start. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm old. I can barely turn my cell phone on in the morning. How am I going to start this blog? But enough people said it. And I think this is important. You know, God may not talk to you, but I think what God does is put people in your life that make suggestions. Hey, you know, coupon lady, you should start this. Whoa, wait, wait a minute. I, I, you know, and but if enough people start saying that, I think I'm smart enough to sort of perk up and say, maybe I ought to pay attention to it. And so I did. And so I started this blog. Initially, it was four pages. And like you say, there's a thought for the day. Every day, it's a new thought with a question about how maybe you can apply this to your life. And then on Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message, which is usually a video or a story that I find that I think people would resonate with. And, and so I was like, well, what do I call this thing? What, what do I name it? And when I was in the police academy, our defensive tactics instructor used the phrase motivational check. He's like, whenever you're at the end of your rope, whenever you're tired, you don't think you can go on. I want you to be able to scream out motivational check. And the rest of the class will respond with 84. We were the 84th recruit class with an 84, just to let the other person know, hey, we're all hurting, but we're all in this together and we'll get through this together. So I thought, you know, motivational check sounds like a good name for this. And that's how motivational check came to be. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That is so awesome. Dear goodness. So where can everyone find your book? So Sustainable Excellence is available pretty much anywhere you can get a book online. It's available at Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Apple iBooks. It's in a hardcover, paperback, and ebook version. So however you enjoy reading, uh, you can also go to motivationalcheck.com and get the link to Amazon uh, to order the book as well. So guys, in case you missed any of that, his information will be in the show notes. So you won't miss a thing. So, oh my gosh, thank you so much, Terry, AKA Superman. <laughs> Um, again, if anyone can build a fortress of solitude, this man definitely needs one. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming on. It has really been a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. I, I always say it's it's nice people like you that allow me to come on to their show and, and, and hopefully between our discussion, we're gonna make a difference in somebody's life that hears this. And if that's the case, then for me, today's been a good day. Thank you. Guys, oh my goodness. Terry is so focused on the forward. And that is absolutely amazing. His information is in the show notes. So of course, you won't miss a thing. As always, guys, be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. And happy shopping. Hi, everyone. This is Mark from the Mark the Shark of MA show. You are listening to CQP Moments.